Hey everyone and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael and I'm here with Andre and on today's episode we wrap up season one with a Q&A where we talk about everything from the Bible to basketball. We hope you enjoy our Q&A and the end of season one. What's up guys, this is Andre and like Mike said, today we'll be doing a Q&A and we got a couple questions from uh, some people and we're excited to go into those and we even got some basketball questions and we're really excited about that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What have you been up to? You were at the beach, now you're back, now you're leaving soon for your internship. Yeah, you know, just wrapping up the summer, finished my class before I left, uh, went to the beach with some friends, uh, it was super fun. Then got to come back and, you know, start organizing everything for my trip down to Houston and, you know, had to like buy some new work clothes and bought a mattress, took it down to where I'm staying, got to see the house, get the keys and all that. And now I've just been like packing my stuff up, getting ready to leave. Uh, so what have you been up to since I've been gone and all that? Yeah. So at the end of July, I went to Jackson Hole, my favorite place and did some mountain climbing out there, did some rafting and that was really fun. Now I'm back and just been kind of hanging out, working on season two for the podcast with Andre. And yesterday we actually went down to Waco and spent the whole day down there. And I got to say, I love Waco. Every time I go, I'm just impressed. And I think it's a really cool place. Oh yeah, it was super fun. We got to uh, eat some Mexican food at a place that I'd never been to. I think it's called Ninfas, right? Yeah, yeah it's pretty that good. place is really good. So if you go to Waco, go to that place. And uh, I got free, a free extra meal somehow. They like messed up my order and just gave me a second meal. It was great. And this is kind of random, but we also saw Matt Rule's house. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and we were we were planning on going down and uh, stopping by and, and uh, seeing Nate and giving him a wristband and all that. But <laughs> fortunately, we couldn't do that. Yeah, he was really busy. And we got to see one of our one of our good friends, Neha, down there. who's just doing a lot of good work at Harris Creek where Nate's at. And spend the day with her and we had a lot of fun. And now we're recording the final episode for season one. So I guess we should jump into these questions. Sounds good, dude. You know, it's kind of sad season one's coming to an end, but I think it was a pretty successful season and I'm really excited to, you know, start going into season two. Yeah, I didn't see the season turning out the way it did, but I do like Q&As and in my favorite podcasts, my favorite episodes to listen to are the Q&As. I just think they're really interesting. And just to say up front, we did absolutely zero prep for this, whether they're Bible questions or they're unrelated to theology or anything like that. We're just kind of jumping in. We're going at it cold. So the first question is uh, from Grant, and his question is, what's your favorite battle depicted in the Bible and why? So I think my favorite might be, and there's multiple ways that people interpret and talk about the context of, of this battle, but it's in Revelation chapter 12, where uh, Satan is thrown down to earth. It says uh, in verse 7 of chapter 12, I just opened up to it. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And it talks about the defeat of Satan and Satan being thrown down from heaven. And I think that's just a really cool battle. And it ties in with the the just the end times reign of God. And then perhaps even some of the battle scenes we see depicted in Zechariah chapter 12 back in the Old Testament. But even though it's not really a human battle, it is still showing the power of God's kingdom over the powers of darkness. So that might be my favorite battle. But what's yours? Yeah, good pick there. That's one that we heard at uh, the Revelation Bible study we've been going to. So I guess I don't really know what my favorite battle would be. I guess I'd pick like David and Goliath or something. Only thing coming to mind, you know. Are the, you the next David? The, the, the underdog <laughs> uh, uh, defeating defeating the giant, you know, uh, just a, I don't know, nice little story there. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting one. I think where people often get on the wrong track with that battle or that fighting scene is just they 
we end up thinking of ourselves as David and the hero is David. And if we remember like where David's strength is coming from, the hero of the story is God. And I feel like we often lose our, lose our steps on that one. But I think in the context of what's going on, that's just a great scene. And that's a good pick. Thanks dude. Uh, you want to go to the second question? Yeah. So the second question is from Joey and he says, he said, what does it mean to have faith since just believing and having faith aren't the same thing? And, and then he said, Satan and demons believe but don't have faith, and pointed us to James chapter 2. So, probably, f- yeah, let's turn to that. Yeah, I'll flip there and I will read James chapter 2. Let's see here. Right after Hebrews. All right. So, this is in the context of James's letter, which is near the, near the end of your New Testament, but it was actually perhaps the first epistle or the first letter written in the entire new testament first thing written and james is a great book which we might end up talking about later and this is in the context of james writing about how faith is faith without works is dead and he's talking about the role of faith in a believer's life so we'll just start in verse 18 james writes with the inspiration of the holy spirit but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith apart from your works and i will show you my faith by my works You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And so, do you have anything you want to just throw in there as we're beginning to think about this? No, I think that's great. And I think it also reminds me of... uh, as like we've been like preparing for and like studying Mark for season two, and uh, basically when the demons recognize Jesus and they, they like kind of they're questioning if if they're like the time has come for for Jesus to crush them, I think that the, one interesting thing is that the demons like know the prophecies and they understand them and that's one thing that you know we should understand like you know kind of how the question was was uh, was phrased, you know the demons believe Satan believes so that means that like it just adds so much more truth to it you know. Yeah, I think that the the difference is, and I think what Joey's getting at is that the the demons don't have salvation. We see at the end of Revelation uh, the devil being thrown into the lake of fire. So I think that I think that where James is coming from on this is that intellectual affirmation of a truth is not the same thing as faith. It was the Christian existentialist philosopher Soren Kierkegaard who who basically said you. You have to take a leap of faith to come to Christ. And he wasn't saying that it's not an intellectual faith or that there's not truths behind Christianity. He was just saying, you're not going to come to Christ by just obtaining a set of arguments that you find to be true. And you're going to be like, okay, it's true intellectually, therefore I believe. You're going to have to take a leap where your heart has to actually trust. And so I think that one thing we, we see here is that the demons, although they know Jesus is Lord, they don't they aren't turned in affection for him. So John Piper said to be born again is to realize that God is to be desired more than anything. And the believer as being born again, which we're going to talk about actually a lot more in season two, the believer being born again has his affections now set on Christ and what he's accomplished on our behalf. Whereas the demons don't have that. They just know intellectually that Jesus is Lord. I think that's really good. And, you know, just to build off of that, I think like, for example, you know, what you were saying most religions will, you know, they'll acknowledge that like Jesus was, uh, like he was, like factually was there. He was in existence. He was a person, but you know, the Christian has to have faith to believe all the other things associated with, with Jesus, which is what actually is like the foundation of our faith. You know, that he, he died on the cross, that he rose again, that 
he was the reason why we have our salvation. And, you know, that's the difference. You got to have, it's kind of a step of, of, of faith. And it's like kind of like that mystery you have to really have faith in. Yeah, I think for sure. I think it was the author of Hebrews who said something like, I don't have it pulled up, but something along the lines of faith is the assurance of things not seen or the hope of things not seen or something like that. So there's something to faith that's not the same thing as an as an intellectual affirmation, which I think he's saying, which is what I think he's getting at when he says the demons believe. So I think that we can be grateful that unlike the demons, our affections have been turned towards Christ in the cross. And I guess uh, what kind of are your thoughts on things we should do like as Christians to kind of, you know, not really like, I don't know how to explain this, but basically to go from just knowing who God is to like actually having that relationship with him and like building upon our faith. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's many facets, whether it's, you know, spending time in the word or it be, or it's all these things. It's not just one of them. Spending time in the word, prayer. We need, we need all these things. We need our community. We need to be plugged in to a church. I was just reading John 13 this morning, uh, where Jesus and the part where Jesus is talking about the disciples loving one another and people knowing that here that they're his disciples because of that. We have to, we have to love the church. I think it was Calvin or somebody else who said, we can't, we can't have God as father and not have the church as our mother. So we need to love the church as well. We need to be rooted in the word. And I think that as, as we begin to develop in our faith, we begin to grow in deeper affection for who God is and what he's done for us. And we're going to talk a lot more about how to get into theology, how to study theology, why that's important in season two as well. So I think that all just kind of wraps up into one. We just need to do things that help us love God. It might have been Matt Chandler or maybe somebody else who said, the Christian life is basically summed up in you doing things that help you love God more. And one of my other favorite preachers has said, what makes you love God more? You need to do more of that. And so I think that as we step into that, we grow in our affections. I think the last thing before like wrap up this question is just looking in the context of James, where he's talking about faith and works. I think like one thing that we've definitely like brought up on the podcast before is, is that quote, like, you know, like our works don't save us, but you know, f- uh, faith and works that like, kind of, they, like, they accompany each other. Right. Faith that saves is accompanied by works. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's like an important distinction to make just like in the context of James, but you know, let's move on to the next question. Yeah. So the next question comes from Grayson who asks us, can you mention that these questions are, are from the podcast undisputed number one fan? So We'll acknowledge that. Hopefully you are a number one fan and thanks for sending in questions. So we'll we'll take his less serious question first, which is who are you guys picks to win the NBA championship and is LeBron better than Jordan? And he says, yes, LeBron's better. What do you think, Andre? So let's start off with the easier question, which is well, actually maybe it's not the easier question, but basically who's going to win the NBA championship. I think when we look at like who's going to win, I think between like Western Conference, Eastern Conference, uh, we look at the two sides on the East. We got basically the Bucks are the like undisputed, you know, pick of, of like who everyone thinks is gonna win. I think obviously uh, the Heat have a chance, the Celtics have a chance, uh, the Raptors won last year, but realistically the Bucks are probably gonna get to the finals. I have a lot of faith in some of these other teams, like the 76ers love Joel Embiid and all that, but. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum. I just like don't see any of them really stopping Giannis. I think the best stars may be the 76ers, but I don't think Joel Embiid has had that much success with that. So I think on that side, we got the Bucks, but I think that the real winner is really going to come from the Western Conference where we have the Lakers, the Clippers, arguably the Rockets as some contenders. My choice to win the championship would be the Clippers. I think that their path is is slightly one of less resistance 
than the Lakers. Round one, they're going to play the Mavericks, and I love the Mavericks, love Luka, love what he's doing. He's putting up crazy stat lines recently, but I think that the Clippers have two of the best players to stop Luka. They have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so I think Luka won't be as effective. And then in round two, they're going to have the choice of the Nuggets and the Jazz, which they've had success against all season. Uh, the only problem there is playing against a big center, but basically their path into to playing against another, uh, be it the Lakers or the Rockets or whoever, is going to be one of easy, it's going to be pretty easy. For them, compared to the Lakers, who have to go against the Trailblazers, who are on fire right now, and then probably the Rockets, who I don't know what their answer is going to be for that. So I think the Clippers outduel the Lakers and then beat the Bucks in the finals. I'm so glad you didn't say the Rockets because I can't stand James Harden. But and I can't wait even get to get back to the Bible questions because Andre is just so much more knowledgeable about sports than me. So my answer is going to be a lot less detailed than his. I will agree with the Western Conference pick. But I will have to go with the Lakers, and as I'm about to say, I do think LeBron's the GOAT, and I'm just going to have to pick the Lakers. So, also a Los Angeles team, but I think the Lakers will beat probably the Bucks, maybe the Raptors in the finals. So, that's my pick. That's solid. I mean, last year we saw Kawhi Leonard, you know, play well against Giannis, so I think that's another reason for my pick. I think he could play defense on, on Anthony Davis, he could play defense on Giannis, and lead, a team, lead three different teams to a victory in the finals and be finals MVP for three different teams is going to be something super historic. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be if that ends up happening. It's just crazy how in, how into basketball Andre is. We were in Waco yesterday and our friend had to do some work on his house and Andre got the smart TV set up to, he downloaded a new app just to watch like one quarter of the Mavs game and then just yelling at the TV the whole time. Yeah. The Mavericks lost by three points. It would have been a clutch victory for us. We maybe could have moved in the sixth seed and, not have to play the Clippers in round one, but you know it is what it is. But the Lakers are going to the top, so let's move on to in the second half of the question. Yeah, that's a, that's a good segue into LeBron being better than Jordan, in your opinion. And I like will preface this by saying that I do think that by the end of LeBron's career, he will be better than Jordan, or he will be more of like the perception of the goat than than Jordan. I just think that like as of right now, arguably Jordan is still greater than LeBron. Part of that is because, you know, legacy really increases after retirement. LeBron's still playing in the league. LeBron arguably might win one or two more championships, especially with the Lakers and Anthony yeah, Davis on his team. This year. This yeah, year. so he, he, <laughs> he potentially could win this year. I think that's that's a solid pick. Uh, he's definitely in the conversation. He could win again next year or the year after that. And I think that once he adds those accolades of maybe a finals MVP, maybe an MVP later on in his career, maybe one or two more championships, I think he definitely... Uh, increases his argument in terms of you know Jordan having more championships than him now I'll go ahead and give you the floor first of like why, why you think LeBron's better and then I'll give my arguments of why I think Jordan is currently still still the goat so I understand the argument for Jordan has more titles therefore he's better plus look at his stats they're essentially equivalent to LeBron like yes Jordan averaged more points LeBron averaged more assists more rebounds or his current uh, career averages are higher but at the same time, I wouldn't base it just off of titles or say that's like the concluding evidence to push it over the top for Jordan currently because nobody considers Bill Russell the best player in NBA history, although he is like a top 15 player maybe or something. But nobody <laughs> considers Bill Russell the top player when he has, what, it's like 10 or 11 or 12 titles yeah, or something? Yeah, he has 11, 11, 11 championships, right? yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be convinced just by that pushing it over the top. I do think that great players win, and I do think LeBron has overall a winning history. But at the same time, I also don't think that LeBron, or I don't think that Jordan 
faced a team as good as the Warriors that LeBron faced in the finals. And then just one thing to conclude, LeBron leads all players in history in value over replacement at 30.8, and Jordan's is down in the mid-20s, so LeBron's value is just the highest. So I don't have a bunch of like detailed reasonings, but I'm going with LeBron. Okay, so I do think that, like I said, LeBron I think will be the GOAT by the time it's all said and done. I think it's I think it's interesting because a lot of people like to, you know, say there's a goat for every single era, and if we look at that, you know, it would definitely be it would definitely be Jordan. We're we're looking at Kobe, uh, LeBron, all those things. They're all definitely goated. I think just looking at like which one's better, which one's more of a goat as of like today. I think that what Jordan really did in his career is really insane because of just the people that the other players that you know Jordan played against who he just like prevented from like winning you know you got Charles Barkley he was a he he's gonna he you know he was an M, he was a all-nba all-star he was like one of the the greats you know you got Carl Malone and John Stockton you know Mike was saying that Jordan didn't have to play against super teams whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say that I just said the super team wasn't as good I mean you know Carl Malone is arguably one of the best players in in uh nba history you know, John Stockton, there's like others, you know, Hakeem never really won the championships until Jordan was playing baseball for two years. I think arguably if Jordan was, didn't retire and go to baseball and then come back, you know, he sandwiched two years of retirement with three years, three championships and three championships. He arguably could have won one of those. He could have won both of those. You know, him and Scottie Pippen had a lot of good things going. I think that the argument really can't be made now that LeBron never had as much help as, you know, Pippen because, you know, Anthony Davis is a top five player in the NBA. If if LeBron doesn't win a championship in the next three years, it's it's going to be a knock on him as well. So we got to wait and see on that. I think points wise, yeah, Jordan scored more. But if Jordan was playing in today's era, he would have he would have taken more threes, which means his point total would have been even higher. Like up to like, obviously he's not the shooter that James Harden is, but his points would have resembled James Harden's more. And he probably would have been the, a point forward type. So he probably more of a point forward type than he was. So he probably would have had more assists, more rebounds as well. Wait, Jordan would have been point forward type? Yeah, he more so than what he was. He would have been he would have been more in the role of that LeBron is, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, agree. I thought exactly. you were going for power forward. So no, 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 no. A point forward. Yeah. And so I think it's just interesting to look at that. Whereas when we look at LeBron, obviously, you know, what he's doing this late in his career is is absurd. Is, is absurd. I just think that LeBron going three wins, six losses in, in the finals is kind of the the main knock on him. And compared to Jordan, just because, you know, I mean, everyone knows who Jordan is. Everyone knows who LeBron is. But, you know, the argument can be made, you know, Le- LeBron should have beat the Mavs in 2011 um, with the Heat. You know, he had, the, he had help during his career. He maybe should have won a little bit more in the finals, and I think by the end of his career, he will be he will surpass Jordan, though. One question for you, Grayson, to send back to us as an answer is, do you think, we were talking a little bit about this yesterday when we were watching the Mavs game, do you think that Steph Curry is one of the top two or three point guards of all time? I would definitely take Magic and Stockton over uh, Steph for sure. But anyways, let us know what you think about Steph Curry and him being a top point guard. Yeah, we got a couple more questions, so let's go ahead and move on from this. Yeah, so then, uh, do you want to read Grayson's next question? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Grayson also asked, how would you guys recommend breaking a bad habit, whether it's as simple as sleeping in too often or something as serious as a drug addiction? Do you want me to kick that off? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I think there's many facets, just like we we just talked about with Joey's question being different from the demons in our affections. I think the same thing is we want to grow our affection for God, and we want to realize what's good for that. 
So in terms of, we're going to talk about both bad habits. I don't want to say that sleeping in too often is sinful because the Bible doesn't prescribe that. However, if if you feel like it's not allowing you to spend time in your word and you're neglecting time in the word or time in prayer because of it, then it, then maybe it could be. And that's something that Every, each individual could personally analyze and like we're going to talk about in mark in the in the fall season in mark 135 jesus does get up early and goes to a desolate place and prays so i think there is something there about the morning but just just more more broadly just talking about addictions or breaking bad habits in general that that potentially are sinful like the like the drug addiction is just that we want our affections to be shaped towards God, and we do that through the Bible, we do that through prayer, we do that through community. So one thing that Andre has enjoyed talking about on the podcast a bit, I think, is accountability. So we we want to be confessing sins to people that that we need that we're struggling with, or that that we need to basically mortify or put to death. And we want to set our thing. We want to set our thoughts on the the things of the kingdom, the things that are above, like Paul says in Colossians chapter three. So I think I think just breaking bad habits, we need to realize the the benefit or the greater good that comes from it, and we need to pray about it. We need to consult God's word about it. We need to consult community about it. What would you add to that? I, so I I think I have like kind of two avenues to attack this question. One of them is is kind of building off of what you said and, and building off of a lot of things that on a sermon series from, from passion from recently, which is where I go to church as you guys like know by now. So basically uh, Louis Giglio was talking about how Satan uses us like feeling bad about ourselves. Like, you know, he wants us to feel down on ourselves, make us feel not good enough, make us not feel good enough to have a relationship with God. And he uses that to like really tear us down and put us into like kind of this cycle of, um, you know, just recurring sin, whatever that may be. And he was basically talking about how we need to break that cycle by identifying our sin, enveloping that sin with scripture and, you know, using prayer to asking Christ to, you know, move that sin away from, from us. And kind of like what Michael was saying is just using spiritual things such as like prayer, reading our Bible, accountability to, you know, break those patterns more of like on a, like a psychological or that kind of side. I think that one thing to, that's interesting to think about is, you know, as the question was phrased, like breaking a bad habit, such as sleeping in now, like, is our problem with sleeping in, which like gives us rest, gives us like the opportunity to, you know, start our day more fresh. Maybe is that really our bad habit or do we need to like analyze and be like the bad habits really that I'm sleeping in and that's preventing me from, you know, working out or like for me personally, I'm sleeping in that's preventing me from like having my quiet time in the morning. That's more of something that's like going to really like affect our relationship with God, affect our relationship with others potentially. Can I throw something in there? Yeah, you, go ahead. Just analyzing the words. We could also be thinking back to the day before. If we're having problems sleeping in, we could also need to go to bed earlier potentially yeah. if that's the actual problem at hand. So I think for me personally, one thing that, okay, well, what what's a smaller thing, a smaller habit that you could break or work on to like kind of like just help yourself just be in that like mode of like breaking bad habits. So for me, it was like, I'm only going to drink, I'm going to drink an X amount of water. And I'm going to like make sure that I do this every single day. I'm going to make sure that I work out a certain amount of times per week. Having the accountability with yourself to do something really small such as that. Like it could be like, I'm going to do 100 push-ups per day. If you like make a good habit, then it's a lot easier to like stop bad habits because you're constantly focused on those good habits. Yeah, it takes 66 days to form a habit and then it becomes basically a routine. Exactly. And so th- and that's really good. So if you start making good habits, like for example, I'm going to read a chapter of my Bible every single day. That's a really good habit to, 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 to start. And if you start doing that in the morning, maybe you won't be sleeping in as much anymore, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think I like Andre's two avenues thinking. So uh, 
I think there's uh, things to think about in the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. So I just, I'm finishing up this book and uh, there's a chapter in Jeremy treats the crucified king about, about what Satan is doing. And so he talks about Satan does three things. He tempts, he deceives, and he accuses. So I think that we need to understand uh, what Satan is doing. And we actually went to a, a Bible study taught by Mr. Snyder that we had on for Genesis where he was talking about second Peter and he's saying we need to, we need to, Basically, we need to know our salvation, we need to know our scriptures, we need to know our enemy. And I think those are three things, especially when we're breaking a sinful habit, if it was a drug addiction or something of that. So we need to know what Satan is up to. And then second, on the flip side of that, in the kingdom of light, then we need to be thinking about what is where where is God's grace fitting into this? What happened at the cross? What do I truly believe? And we need to live into that reality. So I guess that's all I would say for that question, maybe. That's pretty good. Uh, let's move on to the next question. You want to read this one? Yeah, so Abby asked us, what's y'all's favorite book in the Bible, and is it okay to have a favorite book of the Bible? Take it away. What's your favorite book? So We'll just talk about that one first. Yeah, so I think as Michael alluded to earlier about when there was a question about James, I think James is definitely my favorite book of the Bible. Part of that is just, you know, like, should we go ahead and say why or, or just say yeah, what? Yeah, just say what. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So I think that James is really great because it talks about, you know, like how we as Christians like endure during like trials and like kind of like that, that kind of thing. It also talks a lot about like wisdom, spiritual wisdom, asking God for wisdom. It talks a lot about, you know, how we treat others and our faith and our works. And I think that the book is just really great. And a, a bigger maybe reason why I love it so much is because as I was getting more into theology and getting into God's word and that kind of thing, I think James was one of the first books that I actually read. And then right after reading it, there was like a sermon series on it at church so I think that like just like how relevant and just present it was in my life during the time like as I was growing in my faith and all, I think it was just that's one of the reasons why I also love it so much. Yeah, that's really good. This is such a hard question. Usually I would say my favorite <laughs> book is just whatever I'm reading at that time. Like right now I'm really studying the Gospel of John and I really am just loving it. But I understand obviously just what the question is basically asking. So I, I will say just... Some of my favorites could be anywhere from Genesis to First and Second Kings, which is really one book, Ezekiel, Matthew. I mean, all these are really good, but I will say my favorite might have to be Hebrews, just the emphasis on the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ and how, it, like one of my favorite verses is in chapter 12, where uh, the author, we don't actually know who the author is for sure, but the author said, that the, the blood of Christ speaks a, a better word than the blood of Abel. My favorite verse in the entire Bible is Hebrews 1.3. So I really enjoy the book of Hebrews. So that might be my favorite. And yeah. Then the next, second part of the question is, uh, is it okay to have a favorite book of the Bible? I think that's really interesting because obviously we should read the whole Bible and we should like understand like the general story of like everything, not just one book. But I think like having a favorite book if you just like one more than the others, but you still like all the other ones, I guess, like we could say, like, I think at least like in my opinion, if you're like writing a book or writing a commentary about it and you're just really passionate about that, that book of the Bible, that could be like really life giving to a lot of other people. Yeah. I think, I think that's for sure. I, yeah. Just to go off that, I think exactly what Andre is saying, the Lord stirs all of our interests differently. And usually if you're reading a commentary, it's because those scholars have centered their life on something that they find really interesting, whether that's a, a Tom Schreiner on the Pauline epistles, or that's uh, RT France on the gospels. So I, I think that it's completely okay to have a favorite book. And like Andre said, just not to the neglect of others. Like if you only know Matthew, 
but you don't know what's going on in Jeremiah or you know first and second Samuel, then it would, then maybe not because we don't want to neglect the others. But in terms of just having a, a book that we feel like has been important in our lives or assert our affections for God in a particular way, completely. That's really good, and especially like everyone's going through different things at different times, and different books of the Bible speak to different things and d- different circumstances. For example, like this leads kind of into our next question. But the whole idea of like James speaking about like wisdom and asking God for wisdom, that goes a lot into Annie's question, which is, it's actually her second question, but how do you discern the voice of God from other voices in your head? You know, I think a big part about that for me was when I started really feeling like God was present in my decision making and a lot of things going on in my life. I'll give like an, an example. I'm working in, in a couple, in, no, in a couple days down in Houston. And initially when I, it was my top company I went to work for. I was really excited about it and I was really willing to do like whatever it took to, to get that opportunity. They told me, Hey, you could work in this really small town. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing that. And it's not that I wouldn't have been happy there. or wouldn't have like been really grateful for that opportunity, but it wasn't probably my number one choice. It might've been my second choice for location. Well, ended up not getting it. I was like the first or second person not chosen for the job, but I ended up getting a call from the other location afterwards and ended up getting a job at my number one location. So obviously in that moment of like getting told no, that I wasn't going to get to work for my top company, that was like super demoralizing. And, and I had to look into, you know, I, I looked and I, I prayed about it and really thought about it. Like what's going on? I don't really know what to do, but I obviously trusted in God during that time and, and like asked him for, for wisdom and asked him like, what's my next step? What do I do now? And then got the call a couple of days later. So it's like, as you, I, if you're like praying for, for like spiritual wisdom and like, Obviously, you want the Bible to be a guide for your decision making. You can use the Bible to discern like this is either good or bad or this is God's way or man's way. But then aside from that, I don't think that making any one decision or, or listening to any one voice is going to be like, oh, like I'm just like making the wrong choice and this isn't what God's plan was for me. Like, I don't think you can ruin God's plan. But I think that it's it's easy to like f- to have that feeling of, oh, I feel like God's watching over me and I feel like I'm getting that wisdom that I need and like being fed by that. Yeah, so I think the I think the root behind just thinking about the voice of God, I really like what you said there, is is actually just thinking about how God is still speaking today. And I and I, I don't want to say that he's giving a, a prophetic new word like he was giving through Jesus or was giving through Ezekiel or giving through Moses. But I do think he's still speaking. So we, we know from Romans 1 that he's speaking through creation, that all men are held accountable because uh, God's divine power, eternality, eternality, and glory are visible in, in his creation. And then as special revelation, we know special things about God's plan of redemption through his word, the Bible. And so God is still speaking. I think when we're hearing a voice or some sort of thing in our head, we have to know automatically it's not God prompting us towards something if it elevates our sin, meaning it it not elevating in a bad sense, but it elevates it and makes it okay. So if it if it uh, basically gives us an excuse to sin, I think we can automatically be no. And if it diminishes the grace of God on the flip side of that, I think that's an automatic no. So we know that anything has to be in accordance with God's word. And then beyond that, we just need to have wise practices, maybe be talking in community about it for sure. And then just be, you know, just remembering that we are broken people still, even though we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit as Christians. So maybe we just need to recognize that it could be wrong. And I think where people get mistaken, and Andre's talking a little bit about this with his job, is we think that in any given moment, the Bible or God is supposed to speak to us about maybe the exact location he wants us to work, or should I eat Subway or Jimmy John's? I per- like, does God know and has God ordained where you are going to eat? 
I would say yes. But is, is God's will for you in that moment to know or be concerned with where God wants you to eat or something? No, because God's will, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, is that you would rejoice and give thanks and pray without ceasing. And then I think that beyond that, thinking about the grace of God and the sinfulness of man, we have some freedom there. So I think discernment just comes from wisdom in the Bible, like Andre is talking about, and then maybe just consultment with community. That's all yeah. I've got to say, probably. And just the last thing I'd add on is just as you pray for wisdom and you're building your relationship, you have more of that confidence that, you know, God's looking out for you and he's playing a role in your decision, you know, praying like, God, like, open these doors if it's where you want me to go, close doors you don't want me to go, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that one thing that people do feel, though, is that, or where people can get into a trap there is if they feel that, if they see an open door, they automatically assume that's yeah, the yeah, right one. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But you know, sometimes there's doors open to sin. That doesn't mean that that's the right door, obviously. So yeah, I, I think that, I think there's, again, like Andre's been saying all along, there's a wisdom principle there and we should just be praying for that con- consistently. And then also using the Bible as like a guide of, of right and wrong. And exactly. Right. For sure. For sure. And then I guess as we try to wrap this up, I guess uh, we'll turn these last two questions into one. And I guess like, I'll just pose this one to you oh, just boy. because currently, I guess I'll read the question. One of them is, what's your favorite book that you'd recommend and why? And then the other one is, who's someone you look up to or like inspires you. I guess for me right now, I'm trying to like hustle through the Bible and really just read and learn and all that kind of thing. But Mike, you spend a lot of time reading like other books aside from that. And like not just looking at like commentaries or anything, but just books that you've read in your own spare time. I, kn- I know you do. If you could like wrap up like someone who inspires you, who's also in a book that you really like or you'd recommend, if you could like share that as like we wrap up. Yeah, so that's hard and now I'm switching books. So I'm going to actually mention a couple books, but the person I look up to who's also written a book that I love is Russell Moore. And he's written a book called Onward. And the subtitle is Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel. And it's essentially about how we need to keep Christianity distinct. And that is what is going to uh, allow us to basically push the kingdom forward amidst darkness in the West in Western culture. And so that might be someone I look up to in a book. And then just ma- real quick, I'm not going to like dive into a ton of what these are about. Two other books I might say, uh, Michael Reeves, Delighting in the Trinity, very short book. And it's just going to help you delight in who God is, is it in his triune nature more. And then Augustine from the, from the fifth century, uh, late fourth century, his book, The Confessions, it's his own autobiography, but it is the, it's an incredible book. So those might be a couple books as well. Sorry, I ne- I can never just pick one book. That's too hard. No, no, that's 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 really good. I, I bet you know that that's like a good place to start for people who want to like read something new or interesting or whatever. So that's that's good. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I've never said this and I've never recommended this to him. If you're looking for something, maybe you read a lot of theology already and you're looking for a break. And Andre, you'd actually love this. I've never I've never brought this up. There's a book called Shoe Dog, which is a memoir by the creator of Nike. And that is just an incredible book. He talks about basically the first 10 years starting off Nike and just him traveling around the world and starting a company like importing shoes from Japan and stuff. That's a wild, that's a wild ride as well. So that's something else just off the top of my head. No, that's good stuff. I mean, I guess with that, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this Q&A and it's something we, we look forward to doing in the future. Yeah, for sure. We hope you guys join us for season two and thanks for tuning into season one with Andre and Michael on Radically Normal. Yeah.